Suncast is brought to you by SunGrow, providing clean power for all. Suncast is also brought to you by Trina Solar. Episode 79 of Suncast. If I think about where I am right now in my life, and I look back a couple years ago, was I dreaming about where I am now? And if you are, then you've made it. Now, if you're still at a job, if you're still working for a business that you hate and you haven't gotten there, then yes, maybe you have not made it yet. But there are so many of us that are working for ourselves, building our own businesses, doing our own things. And we're so caught up in these MTV Cribs metrics that we don't take a second to go, you know what? Five years ago, this is what I dreamed about. This is where I hoped I would be. So let me be a little bit grateful for that. This is Suncast. In every battle, there's a front line. On that front line are warriors whose courage and action shape the outcome of the battle. The world is currently engaged in a literal power struggle, a battle in global energy as it evolves from fossil fuels to renewable energy. Suncast is a conversation with solar warriors on the front lines, building the most noble and impactful companies of our time. We learn their secrets to personal and professional growth, market development, and industry insights. And now, join solar industry veteran, Latin America fanatic, and your host, Nico Johnson. Welcome, welcome to episode 79 of Suncast Solar Warrior. I'm your host, Nico Johnson, and I am so glad that you're back with me again this week. Hey, way back in episode 25 of Suncast, I got to interview one of the guys who has most influenced my life in the last five years. He's not in the solar industry. He's not even in the energy industry, but he could teach a lot of us in the solar industry about two things that matter most when going from idea to income, creativity and hustle. And speaking of hustle, you sure did enjoy the hustle embodied in the last two episodes of Suncast with Mr. Paul Grana of Helioscope. They're already two of the most downloaded episodes of Suncast ever. So go check those out as well on your next commute. A special shout out to all of you who are following along on Twitter. Yes, I am finally back on Twitter. You'll notice that I've actually separated out Suncast as a separate account. So be sure to follow both my personal account, which is at Nico Mayo, N-I-C-O-M-E-O, and the Suncast account, which is at my Suncast, to stay up to date or to let me know what you think of this show. It was a busy week tweeting away my perspectives live from the conference floor at the Bloomberg New Energy Finance Future Energy Summit in New York City. What a great event. And absolutely loved New York, especially with the last trappings of winter descending on the East Coast. Thanks to Bloomberg and especially Guillaume Fauché for the invitation. You guys, if you ever get a chance to go to this event, do not pass it up. A quick shout out to the great friends I met and made there at the show. I hope that we find creative ways to support one another in the coming months. Well, today on Suncast, as I mentioned, you'll meet my great friend and mentor, Jason Zook. Jason might be the best marketer or probably the best sales guy I've ever met. He made over a million dollars doing something you and I do every single day, putting on a t-shirt. He sold his last name, not once, but three times. He even got his first book sponsored by over a dozen companies before he ever wrote a first word. 
or even knew what the book subject would be about. And as we discussed in Jason's first interview, he sold his future. Yep, everything he has ever created or will ever create. And I bought in way back in 2015, and I'm truly, really glad that I did. You can hear all about that in episode 25. And today, we're going to talk about how Jason and his super creative wife, Caroline, are at it again. Only this time, they've teamed up to create something together aimed at helping the budding entrepreneur navigate the wandering path towards success. If you enjoy this or any other episode of Suncast, probably the biggest compliment that you could pay me is to recommend this show to others. And the second most helpful way to do that is to rate and review the podcast in iTunes. Your positive review and subscription actually helps other ambitious intellectuals just like yourself find the show. And for that, I sincerely thank you. This episode is brought to you in partnership with SoulRates.com, the fast and free online platform for providing your commercial customers with a credible lease financing proposal. If you've got projects over $100,000 in value and you'd like to see how SoulRates can help you and your sales team quickly and easily deliver a financing proposal to your commercial customers, head over to MySuncast.com forward slash SoulRates, S-O-L-R-A-T-E-S. Click on that request an invitation button. Thanks again for setting this time aside in your day. Here we go, catching up on the latest and greatest with my friend, Jason Zook. All right, if you had a chance to listen to episode 25, then you're familiar as a longtime Suncast listener with today's guest, Mr. Jason Zook. Jason, welcome back to Suncast, my friend. Hey, thanks for having me. For those who don't necessarily want to go back and listen to 60 minutes of our previous recording, I am involved in a community called Buy Our Future, previously called Buy My Future, by one of the zaniest entrepreneurs I've ever met, Mr. Jason Zook, who when I met him did not have the last name Zook. Part of his story is how he has sold basically everything that he has a birthright to, including his future. And so I'm a part of this community called Buy Our Future, which he and his wife, Caroline, now run and are transforming into a business about building meaningful business. So I had you on in episode 25 to talk about how to build community and why you sold your last name, your basically the rights to your life and everything that you do and access to you in a more intimate way than practically anyone I've ever seen. That's not, you know, some superstar who opens MTV Carib style. (laughs) But I'd like to contemplate with you some of the differences. If someone looked on the outside into jasondoesstuff.com, which is your personal blog, they might think, wow, here's a guy that's really got his shit together. And Mm -hmm. he's super creative and he is a natural born salesperson. What fallacy would you illuminate for that person? Yeah, they probably just need to go further back in the articles to find all the like, uh, I don't know what I'm doing. I feel completely lost. I'm in over my head, $124,000 in debt. I don't know like who I am or what I should be building or any of those things. And, And that was just a few years ago. That was really 2013 for me. Right. I came out of a business that was kind of my first startup, if you will, my I Wear Your Shirt business, where I literally got paid money to wear t-shirts. 
that business, while it sounds great and it's fun to talk about, it was a really big time struggle after the first two years. And as because I was trying to do all the wrong things. I was trying to scale. I was trying to grow to a million dollars in revenue. Uh, I was trying to just constantly be in the news because I just had this idea that like I needed to be famous and I needed to be all these places. And for no other reason than it was just because you mentioned MTV Cribs, like that's literally where I, I feel like I got my inspiration from of like, oh, well, this is success. This is what it looks like. Huge house. Ferrari, you know, lots of money in the bank, like you'll be happy. Everyone's happy when you get to that point. And for me, when I started to actually like achieve some of those milestones, hitting a million dollars in revenue, I was miserable. I was absolutely miserable. And my life was just so out of my control. I barely got any sleep. I gained 50 pounds. I again, had that debt. And when I shut that business down and walked away in 2013, I had no clue what I was going to do next. I literally just had nothing, but I just knew I had to do something different. So it's really interesting to look at it from the outside in now. And even for me, like I look at it and I just try and have a lot of perspective for where I've been, what I've been through. And really one important thing for me that has come up a lot lately, and I actually recorded a full podcast episode on my podcast that I actually just shut down, is just this idea that I've made it. And it's for all of us to really sit down and go, if I think about where I am right now in my life, and I look back a couple years ago, was I dreaming about where I am now a couple years ago? And if you are, then you've made it. Like you, you're there. Now, if you're still at a job, if you're still working for a business that you hate and you haven't gotten there, then yes, maybe you have not made it yet. But there are so many of us that are working for ourselves, building our own businesses, doing our own things. And we're so caught up in these MTV Cribs metrics that we don't take a second to go, you know what? Like five years ago, this is what I dreamed about. This is where I hoped I would be. So let me be a little bit grateful for that. And, and now check in and go, yes, I want to have things that I strive for, but I also don't need to like hang on to these previous goals or, or kind of vanity things. I am a part of what you have built for the simple reason that I identify within the community and within you and that aim, a lot of my own story. When I joined by my future in September 2015. OG, OG, you're old school. OG, first class. And I mean that by the first class of folks that bought in for those who <laughs> listen. Jason and I, well, obviously we have a, a million inside jokes because we're, we're a community of about 400 people that all have something in common in that we look to Jason as one of the guys who represents what we believe it looks like to have these micro realizations of what it looks like to make it. And the thing that I want to tease out of what you just said that I think is remarkable is that I feel like everyone who ever feels the pull to leave the corporate culture, they don't understand what you just said as part of the process. Mm -hmm. I now live in Durham, North Carolina. People still think I live in Miami, probably mm -hmm. because of my LinkedIn profile. I live in a nice house and I, like, I spent the better part of today, this morning, hanging out with my pastor and just talking about life and trying to help think through what the vision of our church looks like at the expense of spending time on client projects. But I did that because I have the luxury to do that. And in that sense, in that very real sense, I have made it. Because mm -hmm. when, when I met you, I was, and I remember reaching out to you when I was in Miami saying, hey, you're in Jacksonville, we should catch up. All I really wanted to do was like catch your coattails and say, how can I have what he has? And I looked forward to a time where I would be able to name my own terms, work with who I wanted to, and start and stop work at a time that fit within my lifestyle, which we'll certainly talk about. And I, I hope that Suncast listeners who are feeling that sense of uh, discontent and are thinking about leaving corporate culture or who have started their own business and are in the doldrums or in the thrash, as, as some of us call it, and wondering if they're going to make it, I encourage you to listen through the rest of this show today for the nuggets of wisdom that Jason has pulled out about 
what it really looks like to build a sustainable 30 plus year entrepreneurial adventure versus what the world would tell us, the MTV Cribs icon would tell us is how entrepreneurship is supposed to look, which is go out and raise money and sell your business in 18 months for $3 billion valuation, right? Mm -hmm. Which is not sustainable. And all of the people that most of the people we know who have done that are miserable. Yeah. <laughs> and they find, they find that their life is vapid and they're out, like thankfully, without the need for much money, but still soul searching. So if you contrast Jason from even five years ago, 2013, who didn't know anything about who he was to now, was there a key shift in mindset that you feel helped propel you forward? I had never led with trying to help people or trying to be helpful before then, you know, my whole business before that was based on storytelling. Truthfully. I mean, mm-hmm. it, at the, at the broader sense, it was an advertising platform. I was creating a social media advertising platform, but when 2013 rolled around, I was like, man, you know, I've worked with all these companies and it, it just felt really self-serving and I, I haven't really done anything to like help other entrepreneurs. But I also felt a little bit of imposter syndrome because I'm like, well, who am I to help people? Like I'm a hundred thousand dollars in debt. And like, I just quit this business you know, I started reading some books. That was really when I started picking up books and and reading nonfiction. And one of the books that was really huge for me was The Obstacle is the Way. Another book was Body of Work. Really what these books kind of showed me was, you know, like, hey, you don't have to be at the finish line to tell people where you've been and the mistakes you've made and what they can learn from what you've done so that hopefully they can avoid that. And that really kind of gave me the permission to go, all right, well, you know what? I may feel like a little bit of imposter, but I still think there's a lot of value in the things that I've done that people can learn from. And so I just started writing about this stuff. One of the articles that I think really propelled forward my journey in writing and in sharing and in doing these things and being more vulnerable was this idea of letting go. And for me, that was just literally painting this wall in my office in my house at the time that had like this crazy mural and whiteboard paint and like all these memories that I had of a business that no longer served me. And I, it was really hard to let go of that. You know, that wall meant so much to me. It had so many memories in it. And by painting over it, you know, it was like that final move to go like, I'm, I'm getting past this. I'm moving forward. Like it was an important thing that I did is silly. It sounds dumb. You know, like it could just be repainted. It's not a big deal. But letting go of some of those things for all of us is super difficult, whether it's just in life or in business, it can be so, so hard to do that. So 2013, me really realized with like that post and a couple other ones, finding minimalism as well was really really helpful. But just going, you know what, I'm just going to share, I'm going to share the real journey that I'm going through. This is not every article is ending with like a perfect quote that you can tweet because I've pulled some nugget or wisdom out of my life. That wasn't it at all. It was just real time. Here's what I'm going through. Here's how I'm trying to fix it. Here's what I've learned from previous mistakes. And that started to resonate with people because it's just like you said, most of us do not align with or resonate with people who want to raise a billion dollars, build a $3 billion company, cash out in 18 months and do whatever. Like that sounds glamorous, but it's like you said, we all know that a lot of those stories don't end well. And a lot of those stories you don't hear about because it's just not a good story to tell. You know, there's people are miserable. They wish they kept their business. They wish they'd not grown it as much. Now they have no purpose. They have, you know, nothing drives them. And so really learning all those things and and just seeing like, hey, I could be a lightning rod for people who are in a similar position. That kind of empowered me to, to do that. Was it body of work or the obstacles is the way that was a linchpin for you on this notion that, You just have to be a few steps ahead to be able to pull someone along. Yeah, I think it was body of work because that book by Pamela Slim, which I I still recommend to this day that, I mean, I should probably read it again, honestly, myself, because she just does such a great job of having you identify. And I don't know that she uses this term. I think she does, but like your superpowers. And she, she really helps you dig in and figure out like, what are those things? Like, what can you do? And even for someone like me in 2013, who felt like I had no superpowers, she really coaxes them out of you through her writing. And it was really helpful just to see like, oh, okay, I do have these things I can share it, you know, and it was beneficial just to show me that 
oh, uh, I have built my own body of work. And that's through a lot of different, you know, I kind of picture it like the serial killer board in like a CSI room, you know, it's all <laughs> these strings with all these photos. Pam's there with her book, helping you like point them all to the red serial killer, maybe a bad, <laughs> you know, metaphor here. But I think everyone knows that visual when you're like, oh, I, I can like pull everything together and you actually have something that helps. And that doesn't mean it gives you like the perfect plan with all the money in your bank account and you're just good to go after reading that book it gives you the next steps and, and helps you kind of see a path to take. Yeah, I think that Pam's work, it's one of those seminal works that not enough people look at because they're busy reading business autobiographies. And the vapid stuff, right? Like, I don't mean any offense to these people and I'm sure that they are well-intentioned, but it's like every book with the title millionaire in it, mm. you're literally just playing on the psychology of people. Even if the book is basically saying like, you shouldn't be a millionaire, unless the title of the book is like, how not to be a millionaire, you're playing on those things, those kind of vapid things that we just, as a society, are so stuck on. And I think that the chasing down of those things, you know, was such a good realization for me to shift from that. I'm actually really excited to talk to you about some of the, like the goals that we have with our new business, because I think they will surprise people. And along that line, you began a trek west, seeking what you felt like aligned more with what you wanted out of life. I want to talk a bit about, I feel like a lot of the folks on Suncast are in this position where they travel a lot, they work remote, they work from home, and they are trying to find tools to help them work more efficiently. And if there's anything that I've admired most about you and Caroline and watching you is that you seem to have systems for everything. Mm -hmm. And a lot of salespeople in particular that excel, excel because they have good systems, a lot of sales folks that flounder and fail are because they lack systems and they try to live on charisma and they mm -hmm. try to live on the ability, that ability that they can always open more doors. And I've always kind of teetered between those two. Is there something core to the way that you've built since 2013 to now your work style? that you, you would say empowers you to have launched, I don't know how many businesses you've launched now since then? I think the amount of output, and it's, it's actually interesting, another buyer future member, Jay, he was in town and we went and got some tacos and he was like, I just have to tell you, like, it's insane watching the amount of like high quality output you and Caroline put out. Yeah. And it's interesting to me because I actually don't think about it that way at all. Like I, it, it's just more of a natural thing. And I think what you, what you bring up here is that I've just developed a habit of consistent, authentic creation. And so that started in 2013 with like one article every couple weeks because it's all I could get done because I just was like, I don't know what I'm doing. I don't know what it is. And then I really started to tell myself, you know what? Like the phrase done is better than perfect became like my mantra going. And I probably even said it like murmuring, walking down the street like a crazy person. But I essentially just said, I want to start getting something out every single week. And what happened is in building that muscle, you force yourself to sit down in the chair and write, grab the laptop, go to a coffee shop, do whatever. And whatever it is that you're doing, for me, it was writing. For me, it was putting out a weekly article, trying to help someone, trying to navigate something I'd been through or even something I was going through. That started to develop other things. So that led into like, okay, well, I know for me and for most people, you can't just roll out of bed, sit at your laptop and just drop knowledge on a keyboard. And you wish that you could, but it just doesn't work. So I was like, all right, well, what do I need in the morning? Like what's gonna help me be more motivated throughout the day and more impactful? And I started to realize looking at social media first thing in the morning, I was like just stuck after that. You know, I, I just felt like this negative comparison trap to people who are already like halfway through the day because they're in a different time zone and they're doing all these things or that they're living this like perfect curated life that I was looking at. I was like, that's not my life right now. You know, my life sucks in comparison, which it really doesn't. But I, you know, our little psychological brains do that. 
And so instead I said, you know, let me build a nice morning ritual for myself where I feel empowered and I feel like this is fun. This is, this is like lifting up my spirits. And, and forgive me if we said this on the last episode, I don't think we did, but I make a handcrafted cup of coffee every day. I used to, while making that coffee, read Calvin and Hobbes, the comic from like our childhood. And I would only check Instagram in the morning. So it wasn't about getting like any notifications checked off because I turn off all notifications. It wasn't about looking at Facebook or Twitter or email or any of those things. It was like Jason time and what I thought would be beneficial for me to like get me excited. And here's what started happening. Like that ritual every morning only took 15 minutes or so. And then all of a sudden I would sit down on my computer and I was inspired. And so it was, you know, what I went from before, which was like, it took me hours to get into like work mode and get into the zone of writing. I now shorten that down to 15 minutes because I allowed myself to not be stuck in comparison traps and all these other things. And so I think things like that, just figuring out how we would work and how we would get into kind of the work mode and then really just not forcing it. You know, I think one thing for my wife that I've really watched her over the years do is, you know, she knows she needs a much slower, longer morning. Like she doesn't usually start doing anything until 10 o'clock in the morning, even if she gets up at seven or eight o'clock. It's just because her body is not awake yet. She hasn't had enough time to get going. Also in the afternoon, like we both kind of have like this cool down period around three o'clock where I think it's just the rhythm of our body, our cortisol levels, whatever it is. We go to the gym or we go for a walk or we take a break because we know that, hey, this is not conducive work time. And that's kind of how we've built down our days to be the most high output as we possibly can. And then just continuing to think about that like consistent, authentic output. I think that's fantastic. I'm going to probably hit you up with some of these habits of consistent creation and morning rituals that I find as well. I've started to structure my day and week around concept of batching. And I've done a lot of experimentation, thanks in great part to insight from the community and by our future. And the morning ritual and handcrafted coffee in particular are very important. And I find that along the line of systems, one of the things that's helped me, especially now that I'm managing multiple clients, is to be very specific about when I do and don't engage in different activities. And you and Caroline are now working on your new business, but you also are still managing brands and businesses that are not interdependent yet. Let's talk a bit about Wandering Aimfully, the evolution of the two of you now in a married life and how you are managing the duality of having your own thing and working together as husband and wife. Yeah, so we kind of came together about a year and a half ago, and it was more me than Caroline, basically saying like, hey, we're doing this buyer future thing together now, like we've kind of combined you know, that. Why don't we go one step further here and let's kind of move our businesses into one thing. And her business was called Made Vibrant before, and it had a purpose, you know, it was for soulful creatives to kind of navigate kind of work in life. And she really touches a lot on the emotional vulnerable side and what she's going through. And I did some of that, but it was never like the thing for me. It was always like, I want to help you take action more of like a practical approach to entrepreneurship and life. But I've really started to notice again is the evolution. Like I went from the startup life and following that thing to then wanting to help people to now kind of coming around to wandering aimfully and saying, I really want a purpose for myself where we talk about this idea of what we call work-life blend because we don't really think it's work-life balance because that assumes that you basically turn one off to turn one on. Instead, you figure out how to like blend them together. I saw that working really well for Caroline and, and kind of having this thing, this purpose, this kind of manifesto, if you will. So we just started talking like, could we do that together? And, and we decided that with Buyer Future, that was kind of our little guinea pig test, if you will, of working together, building something together, managing it together, seeing who does what delegation and, and all the conversations that go along with it. And certainly it was not easy. There were so many little fights and tiffs and arguments. And, and then, you know, those were greatly outweighed by how much fun we had and, 
and being able to interact with the community and, and having our two different energies and kind of outlooks in there. So that's been really fun. And, and the whole goal is to take Jason Does Stuff, my site, Made Vibrant, her site, and then Buy Our Future, which is the thing that we kind of combine, into Wandering Aimfully as one thing. And so that will become our place to continue to write, to continue to create but all of the things that we were selling before, either separate or together and by our future, will now only be available in this Wandering Aimfully membership. And there will be a couple outliers, like I have a couple software products. Those are co-owned with other people, and I'm obviously not married to those people, so I can't bring those into the fold. But you bring up a really good question, like how are we managing all of those ancillary things as well? And really, everything that Caroline is doing has been product-based. So it's been online courses or books or what have you. Those easily go into Wandering Infly and are not going to be sold anymore on her site or on their own sites. Right. For my stuff, all of my courses now are going to get wrapped into Wandering Infly as well. The software products will still exist. So for some of those, I have some customer service stuff that I do. But for the majority of it, it's not a ton of work. And for right now, especially, it's just on the back burner. Like I, I've just had to say, I can't work on this right now. I can't even devote 10 minutes to this every day because I have to sacrifice something to be able to have the output that we need to be able to create this new thing. And, and that's what it takes to create a new thing. You know, if someone's listening to this and they're like, I'm just getting started, I have a couple of other things, you're not going to be able to juggle at all. Yeah, I actually wanted to put a pin in that point specifically because I find that certainly myself and a lot of other Suncast listeners are those who are, if you're not in an entrepreneurial world or entrepreneur already, are at best entrepreneur curious. And at mm -hmm. worst, they're what we might call entrepreneurs. Yeah, which we all were at some point, if you are right. an entrepreneur. Who are constantly talking about what I'm going to do. I can't remember who said the quote. I think it might even be Henry Ford. You can't build a reputation on what you're going to do. I think if there's anything that, as a listener of Suncast, if you're really interested in being effective and impactful, like listen to the last three minutes again. Pick something to lean into. And if your day job is it, you can't test out three, four, five other things on the side. And I find that myself as well, I get wrapped up in this. Like I often am telling people, oh, I've got like three businesses going at the same time. And the reality is I've got like one business and two hobbies. Yep. And those two hobbies happen to sometimes make me money. Let's switch gears a minute because you are, as Jay mentioned, one of the most prolific writers, right? And so you've cultivated this habit of writing. You did something that was unheard of. You got an entire book sponsored before you ever wrote it, like no traditional publishing pathway. You recently did something really cool with two, actually two things really cool <laughs> about how you approached your latest book endeavor. I'd like you to talk about that and why you took the approach that you did. I don't know if you've announced the name of the book yet, but at least talk about the theme of the book. If you've announced the name of the book, talk about that. And the two core things, watch me write in Dear Publisher, that you used as creative outlets to put the work in the world. I actually realized I was talking to someone about this yesterday, how much a ridiculous amount of work I've put into the second book already. Yeah. And you, like no one can even buy it yet, uh, which is hilarious. <laughs> but and that's kind of on purpose. And so just to rewind quickly, as you mentioned, I wrote my first book. That was in 2014. So I started this journey in 2013 of writing and getting consistent with it. And I kind of felt through just a couple people and just through writing, I had a lot more I wanted to say, more than I could keep putting out on a weekly basis. And for me, it became a thing of, of catharsis. Like writing that first book was my way of just going, oh, I can release all of these stories and things I've been holding onto where things weren't perfect. And it wasn't bad mouthing anybody. It wasn't like throwing people under the bus. It was more just me dealing with all of my own stuff and the things that I did wrong. And what I learned from all those things. And I was writing about that, but there was just so much <laughs> that I could write a whole book about it. So I wrote that book. And even before I sat down to write that book, I kind of set the intention of, I think it would be really interesting if an entrepreneur wrote 
a book every couple years about their journey. You know, there's tons of entrepreneurs that write books every couple years, but they're never like a, here's where I was, here's what I learned, and then you kind of keep following along. And I just thought that would be kind of cool to read. Like, I'd be really interested in reading that from some of the well-known entrepreneurs that we listen to or, or, or kind of follow along, but they don't do that, right? Because it, I don't know, maybe that doesn't sell. We're going to find out with me. I'm the guinea pig, I guess. So I decided to write this second book knowing when I wrote the first one, I'd be writing one every couple of years. And I wanted to kind of dispel this myth that writing a first draft of a book had to be perfect or that there were so many barriers to entry. And so I wanted to write the book publicly. And I wanted to do what I did with the first book, which is write the first draft in two weeks. Because if I didn't set that deadline, I love deadlines. They are scary, but they're beautiful at the same time and they help you get things done. So I basically said for two weeks, you can show up at this website, which was watchmewrite.co. And you can actually see my writing editor, like my blank page, me typing. And so for, I think it was five hours every day, I sat in the chair after doing my morning ritual. I logged in. I could not see that there was a chat, but if you logged in on the front end, you could see that there was a chat. You could chat with other people from all over the world. People watched from everywhere, tens of thousands of people. This was super fun. And I just typed. And, you know, it was the first day or two, it was super awkward and weird because I knew it was going to be bad. Like I knew the writing wasn't going to be good. But then when you start doing it, knowing that other people are watching, it kind of messes with your brain. Oh, yeah. It was a really fun experiment because I would finish my writing for the day and I'd be able to then I'd let myself go and look at the chat afterwards. And I would see all these messages from people that are like, oh, this is so interesting. Or, you know, it's really funny to see like, you know, Jason write this stuff and then backspace all these things. And like, didn't don't backspace that. That was a good sense, you know, and like you have these like, people watching along that was kind of funny. And then of course, like I would go to pee or eat and I didn't like type that in the chat or didn't type it while I was writing. So people were like, he just disappeared. Is he okay? Like what happened? (laughs) Um, But it was a really fun experiment for two weeks. And the idea was just like I said, to let people see what it takes to write a first draft. And then it is by no means perfect. Like it's really just a bunch of garbage you get out of your brain. And I didn't have a title for the book at that time. I didn't really know what it would be about. I just wanted to say like, here's my, my learnings, my lessons, the things that I've done since that first book. And from there, it went through multiple editorial passes, a structural editor, Chantel Hamilton, who's my editor for all of my Jason Does Stuff articles. She took a pass at it as well. And then my wife, Caroline, who's also an amazing writer, she kind of took the final pass and we came up with the name this past year, which is Do It Differently. Mm -hmm. And so this idea that has been the thread, if you will, going back to the serial killer metaphor board in the CSI room, that red piece of yarn for me has been do it differently through all of my projects, through all of my entrepreneurial ventures. That's been kind of my guiding force that has has led me through things. That and a bunch of other things, obviously. So we kind of came up with this name. We really liked it. Caroline did a lot of work to bring the book together. And I had this moment where I was like, you know what? I could self-publish this thing. I could probably sell a couple thousand copies like I did with my first book without a whole lot of effort, you know, just put a website up, announce it to the email list, maybe do something silly. But I was like, I kind of want to, like, the book is called Do It Differently. Like, I have to do everything in this book now has to be done differently. Right. So I decided to put up this website called DearBookPublisher.com. And it was just an open letter to book publishers or book agents saying, here's my book. Here's my story. Here's what I'm writing about. I don't want to have to pander to you and like go through all the normal channels because I'm doing things differently. And if you like that, if that excites you, then here's everything that I'm doing with this book and what I think would be fun to have a traditional publisher on board. And so I did that. That just finished up kind of as we're recording this at the end of March. And it was fun. I I got a bunch of emails from people that just, they liked the project. I talked to a handful of publishers. I talked to a handful of agents. And I ended up signing with a literary agent at the end. And so she's going to represent me and this next journey. So 
what seems like, okay, Dear Book Publisher was a success. I got an agent. It's like, well, actually now we're starting at a whole new journey where now we put a book proposal together for actual publishers that she'll shop around from that website. My whole goal with trying to get a traditional publisher is not even really necessarily the financial side. It's that they have the means to put the book in a lot of different places. And I don't even mean like Barnes and Noble and things like that. It's just like all the independent bookstores that they have agreements with, you know, like I just want to see so many people have a chance to get this message. The story that I get to tell with this in the book is like, for me, it's just great. Like this is how I did it differently. It's how I got a traditional book publishing deal. Here's all the things that I did. And I know that that's like, it's so much for just a book. We're still probably a year from now before the book is going to be out because that's how long these things take. But that's what it takes to do things differently. Like it does take a lot of time and effort and energy. It does. It takes a lot of planning. And one of the things that, yeah, that really inspires me about the way you do things differently is that they're always creative. You're an idea machine. So you took down the original text and I wanted to tell people to go look at it. You took down the original text of dearbookpublisher.com. Is there a place where folks can actually see the original sales page? I thought about that after I took it down because it's not like it's, you know, it's just hidden behind the scenes. I think I can actually fairly easily just put a link at the bottom just to say like, hey, want to see what this used to look like? And I can link to that previous page. So I'll make a note for myself to do that. I would love to direct some Suncast listeners We have folks that love to write and others who are trying to think about how do I start my own blog. If you guys want a masterclass in writing authentically and also with copy that sells, Jason not only has a course on it, but he also has this page on how he wrote Dear Book Publisher, which when I read through it, I just thought this A captures the essence of Jason Zook. Like, this is who I am. Here's how you will work with us. And we will work with you if, we won't work with you if. And then also like, From top to bottom, I think it represents best in class copy in today's cluttered online world of like click funnels and others who try to convince you as Mm -hmm. opposed to saying, here's who we are. And if that resonates with you, you're going to want to work with us. And so I really appreciated that and loved watching the process of getting this book in the world. And I'm hoping that I don't have to draw because I have such intelligent listeners. I don't have to draw dotted line connections for you to how this applies to your career and how this applies to little projects within your own business or your own company that you need to be such so intentional about. But crafting something that people will that could potentially be a bestseller, whether that's a best-selling idea inside of your company or a best-selling solar project or a best-selling book takes marshalling resources that are beyond just yourself. And it takes a longer time of planning than many people are willing to dedicate. But I do think that the way that you shared the journey of writing the second book really captures your approach and unique way to doing things that buck tradition. Mm -hmm. And so if there's no other reason for why I would want to have you on Suncast, it's so that my listeners can think about how can I do things that are in fact not what is expected, an anticipated way that I would be delivering whatever it is that I'm bringing to the world. So we expect that it's going to be about a year before that book's out? Probably. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, I don't think traditional publishers can move fast enough. And I also, I was talking to this about, talking about this with the literary agent. She was like, you know, do you need the book to come out quickly? I was like, no, I don't need it to come out quickly at all. And I don't want to like crash someone's schedule, you know, just because I jumped on board and did something differently. So that's another thing. I mean, it's just the patience and being willing to wait is something that I think you mentioned. So many people are not willing to, they want to put something out there right now. And I think you kind of have to realize like if you're doing something unique or if you're doing something different, you're doing it. So someone can't just copy it and steal it from you. And they're never going to do it the same way you are anyway. So I just don't worry about those things with anything that I work on. I couldn't agree more. And it actually reminds me of something I wanted to hark back to. A lot of folks want to 
to me and like in a way that edifies me. And I really appreciate the compliment. They want to compare me to other podcasts in our space. And they mm-hmm. want to say, oh, but yours is the best energy podcast or whatever as a way to like compliment the work. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and what I have to say back to them in a way that I hope doesn't come across as egotistical is like, I think that those people do great work. You know, one of my colleagues in the industry, Jan Brandt, has an amazing platform. His podcast and mine couldn't be more different. Mm-hmm. They're potentially complimentary. I'm not in competition with him in yeah. any way, shape or form. I don't care to be better than him at podcasting. And the simple reason is because I started this podcast as a form of habit creation. Actually, I think a lot of people don't really realize this who haven't spent time offline talking with me. I lacked discipline in my professional life. And I recently had someone say, hey, why'd you release these two episodes so close together when they're so similar or they're actually with the same guest? And I said, because it is more important for me to publish an episode every week than to worry about the symmetry between episodes. I think that they are both amazing content. And if someone is saturated with listening to that same person, then they'll have to come back to it. I didn't create that podcast so that I would get 10,000 downloads. I created it because I have the habit and now the discipline of releasing an episode a week. And I happened Mm -hmm. to be in a void where I actually needed some content I had recorded to put in that spot. It kind of equates back to when you said I sit down and I write an article a week. I find that the best salespeople in my industry have a consistent habit like that. And I ask a mm-hmm. lot on the podcast, what's, what consistent habit propels you in your life or, or has made the biggest impact? For those who do excellent work, they have some centering habit, whether it's a morning ritual, whether it is I call three. I mean, one, of, one for me is I call three people that mm-hmm. I could potentially sell something to. And I force myself out of the comfort of not having to ask. And it also turns out that it inspires me when I talk to someone before 10 a.m. If I talk to someone on the phone, I feel more alive the rest of the day. And Mm -hmm. each person has to find those little tricks that stimulate their creativity and their productivity. And and the thing is like, what works for Jason Zook and what works for Jay Klaus and what works for Chantel Hamilton does not necessarily work for Nico Johnson or Luis Morales or the Suncast listeners. I wanted to ask you one other question. And I also want to link to all of the other wonderful things that you've mentioned, articles that have been important for you, not the least of which is finding minimalism. You are among our community uh, really big on minimalism and the contrast between even my office and your apartment is stark. So you historically don't buy a lot of things, right? You Everything mm-hmm. is they're high quality and worth sharing, but really important and meaningful. And you've thought about it. In the last year, what's the coolest thing that you would say that you've bought? It's probably going to be cliche because I think a lot of people are hearing about it now or they, you know, see it everywhere, but it's these damn AirPods. Ah. <laughs> I, I literally, I, I was so against them when they came out because Apple's headphones are just notoriously crap. I mean, right. they're just so bad and they should be, they're made for absolutely nothing. And when the AirPods came out, I was like $155 for these things that like you make the other ones for like 12 cents. There's no way these are going to be good. Yeah. And so I didn't buy them because I'm an Apple fanboy, and I typically buy all the Apple things because they do make amazing products. And I just held, I held on forever. And we were talking about this before we recorded, like I had regular headphones that were wired and I would try and walk around my house with my phone in my pocket and I get hung on a door handle or, you know, it would just get pulled out or something. I'd be like, Oh, what's going on? You know, this is super annoying. (laughs) And I bought these AirPods after a good buddy of mine, Greg got them. And actually I have to give my wife credit first. She was like, I think I want to get AirPods. And I was like, all right, but you know, I don't think they're gonna be very good. And she got them and she, she notoriously loses headphones and she has not lost these. She's done a great job of keeping these. And we were in an airport and she was listening to them and she, you know, we go on a walk and she'll listen to them. 
And I'm just, I'm watching this. I'm like, these are, these are legit. And so I was like, all right, I'm going to bite the bullet. I'm going to buy them. Like I have a nice pair of headphones and you know, some cost bias that goes along with not wanting to own two pairs of headphones being right. a minimalist. So I bought these headphones and I have used them every single day, probably for multiple hours throughout the day without fail. They sync to all your devices so seamlessly, so easily, and they sound good enough for what you need on an everyday basis. I wear them to the gym. Like that's even another great place. Like I want my own sound in the gym because our YMCA near us plays Beach Boys and yeah. it just drives me insane. And they're not like bass bumping, huge, loud, but they're, they're loud enough. You know, I can cancel out all the other noise that I don't need to hear. So, you know, they're over a hundred bucks on the, uh, the thing that I've purchased, but they are worth it. Like you mentioned, buying one thing that's high quality. These are absolutely a fantastic buy and I can't recommend them enough. And I get no commission or anything uh-huh. by telling people to buy them. They are just that good. I got to admit, AirPods, I'm not an Apple user. And lately, I ask everyone I see who has AirPods, including our pre-interview, what they think of them. And in particular, I look for runners because my Jaybird headphones. For me, it's a quality of life issue. I too hate the cords. And my my Jaybird's broken. I've been looking for new headphones. So I'm going to take your advice and the advice, coincidentally, of my two business partners, Jim and Dustin, who both have AirPods and who both on a weekly basis say, Nico, please just go buy them. Well, Jason, I know you have a a lot going on today. Thank you for your time. What's the best way for someone to lean in if they want to learn more about what Jason and Caroline are up to with Wandering Aimfully and if they want to just get more of you? Yeah, wanderingaimfully.com is going to be the place we're currently in the midst of. We're in the thick of building this business and doing it uh, transparently and showing all the behind the scenes. So it's like double work right now because we're actually building the business and then documenting building the business. Oh, that's right. We didn't talk about Watch Us Build. Yeah. So we are, we are building everything kind of out in the open and we have like a five week schedule here where we're doing branding the first week, which was just last week, business stuff this week. So it's like, what's our business model? What's the product? How are people going to get it? Next week is design. So what's the website going to look like? What's the dashboard going to look like? The fourth week is content. So what are we doing with our weekly writing, with our email list, with YouTube? Because now we're starting a YouTube channel. Social media, are we using it? Well, you know, I refuse to have a Facebook page, so we're not going to do that. And then the last week is going to be marketing and launch. And you get to see all of the behind the scenes of how we're doing all this. We share everything with you on the site. And that'll all exist after we launch the site in like one huge recap post. Right. But it's kind of our fun way of doing that. But yeah, wanderingaimfully.com. If you were to find pretty much anything that we've done before that, it will probably all redirect to that going forward. Very cool. So does Jason does stuff redirect to that? It will on May 1st probably is when we'll uh, be redirecting everything. Very cool. Well, this will certainly come out before May 1st. And if you're interested in watching how two vibrant creatives that get shit done build <laughs> a business together and battle through the the ebbs and flows of building a business as husband and wife and as two young entrepreneurs, then you should check out Wandering Aimfully. And if you're interested at all in the underbelly of what it looks like to build a business, I've never seen anyone do this the way that Jason and Caroline are doing. So I encourage you to check out Wandering Aimfully. Jason, such a pleasure to have you back on Suncast and just to share space with you, man. Yeah, thanks for having me. I appreciate it. That's a wrap on today's conversation, Solar Warriors, and you're now well-armed for battle. Hopefully, you'll take away some great tools for your own success. I'd love it if you'd share what you learned or share the episode over on LinkedIn. Let me know what other tools you need. If you want to sharpen the axe a little bit more, I've shared some of the resources we discussed in today's conversation over at mysuncast.com. 
Just click on the latest episode link in the title bar. Perhaps the best tool in your arsenal might be subscribing to the mailing list while you're there so that you'll get an email from yours truly when new content is available. Have a suggestion for someone you think should join the conversation? Email me, nico at mysuncast.com or shoot me a message on LinkedIn. Hey, that's it. Thanks for being here. Until next time, stay informed, my friend, and stay tuned.